going on, everybody? Welcome to another off-season edition of the Dose Media Network podcast. I'm Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. Joey, best ball season has arrived. BBM4 has launched $15 million prize pool. Yeah. Just think about where we've come in the best ball era since we started recording this podcast. And it's crazy to think about. Best ball mania four, $3 million to first. Regular season prizes as well. So they're dabbling in both streets. And people have kind of voiced their opinions about that. Some mm-hmm. people like it. Some people don't. I think it's whatever. You know, it's cool. Cool to pay out regular season. And then you have the Drafters $20 best ball championship. Obviously, we've worked with Drafters before. Uh, you know, love the product. So they have their best ball tournament running again. DraftKings as well released a few best ball tournaments. Like you said, it's officially best ball season. Yep. Two tournaments on DraftKings with million dollar top prizes. Mm-hmm. They've got the big buy in, the 555, and I think the other's just a $20, if I'm not mistaken. Either tw- either 20 or 10. 10. Oh, yeah. 10, 10, 10. You're right. Have not dabbled yet on anything other than Underdog. Underdog, in at the same time that they dropped BBM4, dropped a puppy, which for me is awesome mm-hmm. because, like, I personally, I'm saving my bullets until at least the schedule comes out, which should be in a few yeah. days. I think it comes out on Thursday is the plan. So uh, it's delayed, actually. It was delayed. Okay. I, I didn't know it if that was delayed. official. Do we know when? Uh, I'm not too sure, but I'm pretty certain that it is not coming out this Thursday. But there was one game leaked by Donna Kelsey. Yeah. Obviously, she's in tune with her sons, who are both in the NFL. Mm -hmm. She said that the Chiefs and Eagles are playing week two. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. That doesn't matter to me. I need to know the week 17 (laughs) schedule. (laughs) Yeah. And I think think, uh, another game is Jets versus, uh, I think it's Giants, Monday Night Football, week one. Mm, That's interesting. I think that's, yeah. Yeah, so Jets haven't had any primetime games in like eight years, so they, they got to get Rodgers on primetime. Oh, I mean, I, I could have told you that was happening off the rip. But yeah, <laughs> pretty sure the schedule is uh, getting pushed back, so we're not going to have that information, which obviously hurts. Maybe we could talk about that a little. I've seen, I've seen a little bit of chatter about Week 17 on Best Ball Twitter now, and every year we've been doing this for two, three years now with Best Ball, and the strategy kind of stays the same as the years go on, but... It also evolves a little bit and people find different things to think about and different ways to think about it. And I've been seeing a lot of talk that you shouldn't be stacking for week 17 anymore. You should be stacking for, you know, week 15 and week 16. Mm -hmm. So I want to know, like, have you thought about that at all? And do you agree? Do you disagree? Because ultimately you're trying to just get the teams to the finals. And to get the teams to the finals, you have to perform in week 15 and we in week 16. So I get why that makes sense. Well, this is just one of many things that we've been ahead of the curve on. I mean, last year we talked about early in the offseason, looking at teams that had two home games out of their playoff schedule for weeks 15 through 17, and just sort of looking at things that, because it's, it's obviously really going to be difficult this early to look at you know, what games are going to be the shootout games. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. We don't really know. It's going to change from now to week 15, probably several times over. We can look at what quarterbacks we assume are going to be like the top tiers, you know, which offenses we expect to be good. But ultimately, I do think that you want to look at things like having multiple home games in your playoff stretch for your stacks. And I agree with maybe getting a little bit away from the week 17 super like locked on correlation for your stacks and, and building it out a little bit because all Ultimately, you do want to get to the dance, right? You want to get to that Mm -hmm. final week. And at that point, see what happens, right? Let's just see what happens. Let's get there and see what happens rather than trying to predict exactly what's going to happen and exactly what games you want to have stacked in a given week. Yeah, and I I think a lot of people are coming around to that ideology. Like I said, I've seen it on Twitter quite a bunch and, you know, the strategy is consistently changing. And I also posted a tweet and I want to get like just your take on it. You know, some some people were saying like, oh, you know, you could potentially win with one or five bullets like the person who came in fourth and best ball mania three last year only had one bullet. And that's cool or whatever. And my response to that was, you know, there's always going to be one or two people who finish highly with minimal entries. Um, But my take was you shouldn't really be playing best ball mania for unless you're willing to max it. And I, w- I would even say like 100, 125 entries. Like in my opinion, volume is king, yeah. especially in a contest that has 667,000 entries. Just my line of thinking is I want 
as many entries as possible into that. And it's obviously a huge financial commitment. And I would say a majority of people can't make that financial commitment. It's about for, 4K, 3750 to, to max center BBM4. Yeah. And especially to have it tied up for three months. Yeah. You know? Um, and and so longer, I would say, realistically, because, I mean, if you're drafting now, right? If you're starting yeah. to draft now, you're locking up that money for a long, long period of time. Yeah. that w- That's kind of my thing is just don't really see the value in only getting in like 10 or 25 entries when that money, in my opinion, would be better suited towards firing shots on, you know, more plus EV tournaments for like my specific bankroll, like drafters, DraftKings, etc. So I just want to know like, what's your, what's your take on that? Do you think like you should only be playing it in it if you're maxing or am I just being like not fun? Because obviously <laughs> nobody, every, most people are going to have like five to 10 entries. Like most people can commit a few hundred dollars. Right. And they, cause it's just like, you know, one chance or a couple chances to win life changing money. So I get that. And obviously people just want to have fun and it's fun to draft and it's fun to potentially win $3 million. But I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you're probably just burning your money and I just can't do it. Yeah. It just depends on like how much of a stickler you are for getting good value. Like I think obviously optimally, if you're going to play, you should be all the way in like if you're gonna do it do it right max enter if you are planning to and willing planning and willing to put that financial commitment down like you said like 150 entries versus one entry i think makes a big difference and we were just talking about this before we started recording like one of the things that makes volume so important in best ball is that you know say you have 150 drafts it could just be that one draft where the player you need falls two rounds that's not going to happen most of the time. Maybe you're lucky enough to be that single bullet that gets in the draft where Joe Burrow falls to the four or five turn and you can stack him nope. with Jamar Chase. But you have a better chance of being in that draft over the course of 150 drafts versus one. Mm-hmm. I'm not mad at it. Like, for example, you know, I know that you play one, two, three entries into like the Millie Maker on a given week. And I would say that that's the same thing. You know what I mean? If you're yeah. just willing to take that shot and you know you're just doing it for fun and you know and have like the thought process that, okay, if I was truly trying to be like the most EV possible, I would either max or not play. There's nothing wrong with taking a $25 shot to win $3 million, okay? Yeah. That's cool. It's fun. Have fun. Yeah. But if you are trying to be serious, if you are grinding, <laughs> if you are a best ball bro to the core, yeah, I would say either max it or don't play. And and you better use those funds allocated across the smaller buy-in tournaments. That's, that's how I look at it. Yeah, I definitely agree. And obviously I could see that point. And just in my tweet, I I do think that you should probably be maxing it if you are serious about best ball, like, and if you have the money, but I will say, because somebody actually mentioned that under the tweet was because in my tweet, I said that money would just be better used towards DFS Mm -hmm. props, et cetera. And they were like, you know, but you can't win $3 million betting props. But I'm like, you could win a million dollars playing a million maker and your chances are better, period. In my opinion, your chances of winning a Millie Maker every week is better than your chances of winning Best Ball Mania 4 for $3 million. Just based on contest size, right? Like the Millie Maker is 200,000 entries for the $20 one, but then they also do $100 Millie Makers and the higher buy-in Millie Makers. So if your goal is really to win a million dollars or to win life-changing money, you could potentially do that at a lower risk yeah. playing DFS. Mm-hmm. And even same game parlays, like same game parlays obviously are horrible, Correct. <laughs> and, but they're fun and it's a little to win a lot, but that money would be probably better used betting same game parlays on a sports book. Mm-hmm. You know, the odds of hitting a same game parlay is better than your odds of winning best ball mania Four. I totally so, agree with that. So that's kind of why, what I was getting to with my tweet and why, like if you really don't have the funds to max this tournament or at least get in 100 plus entries because i think 100 is a good number uh of entries to have your money is better allocated elsewhere um but like you said you can throw a few entries in have fun like if you have a hundred dollars to blow and you want to do four drafts that's whatever but just knowing that hundred dollars is gone and you're not gonna see it even if you do see it you gotta wait you know three months four months five months etc it's just like uh, i don't know let me load it up on prize picks (laughs) yeah because it's like a hundred dollars on four teams that you know you could sweat all year so you have a a nice year-long sweat or football season sweat i should say or ten $10 same game parlays where the odds are better or a few millimaker entries 
Uh, I'd, I'd go with the same game parlay side, but I get the, the people that would go with the uh, best ball mania team side. I, I was very interested to even see like how high they would scale with so much popularity now in sports betting itself rising like but it doesn't seem like it's going to be an issue like it seems like best ball is totally insulated they're not dependent on one or the other i mean the contest is already almost six percent filled it's been open for a week and we know that it'll get even you know the rate at which it fills will continually get higher and higher especially once we get into training camp otas etc so it's crazy man i mean the puppy is what 40 percent filled already yeah yeah it's, it's crazy like they've got their market underdog has won underdogs won that's that's my main takeaway (laughs) underdog has clearly won um i still think there may be like a slight chance that it doesn't fill or at least it comes close to to not filling even best ball mania 3 it took until like the last week or last few days of the contest being open for it to fill and this is what 200 thousand more entries 300,000 more entries and you know you're really only getting 150 entries from a certain group of people yeah so you're really banking on a lot of new users and specifically a lot of prop users or pick them uh as i should say in terms of underdog you're banking on a lot of pick them users navigating to the rest of your app and firing off a couple drafts so that's what 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 i think they're kind of banking on about that because i know you're more in tune with like that opposed to like the best ball street. So like, do you think that there's dynamic interest for somebody who opens up underdogs simply to put in, you know, their props, their pick them slips? What are the likelihood that that person is going to go over and enter BBM four? shit? I don't even, I don't it doesn't know. seem maybe. that high to me. Like I, intrinsically, I, I, I maybe, would... maybe like closer to the season when like fantasy football, like is the mainstay that we know it becomes towards like August when everybody, when all the casuals get back into it, then they're going to look, Oh, a $25 fantasy football draft to win 3 million. Sure. I bet that they get some people, but it doesn't seem like it would be a high percentage in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I, when you asked that question, I I said like in my head, 15%, maybe Mm -hmm. that maybe that's even a little too high. 20%. Yeah. Uh, is where my mind went to, like one out of every five users potentially. Even then, that that seems, seems generous to me. Yeah, that that seems a bit, um, yeah, like generous for sure. I don't know. I don't know if people who are strictly playing Pick'em, which is a very large market, it's huge on both, obviously underdog and Prize Picks, the two biggest Pick'em apps out there. I don't know how many people are like, all right, let me go and draft these best ball teams because a lot of a lot of the uh, prop users. I mean, they're idiots. They don't even know what like best ball is. Yeah, you can't you can't uh, tail somebody's best ball draft. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> literally, you can't tail somebody's best ball draft. And honestly, I think the people uh, with the biggest referral codes are like the people who have made the most money from referral codes on Underdog aren't best ball content creators. They're prop content creators. It's a bigger market than best ball. It's. It's a bigger market, and I'm not too sure about Underdog specifically, what their splits would be of like the people majority majority only doing props versus mm-hmm. best ball, but it's got to be close, at least now. Obviously, starting out, they were majority best ball. You know, some pick them. I would say now it's it's got to be close, got to be close to 50-50. I would still say like majority of people are loading up underdog to to play best ball um especially because prize picks is clear cut number one in the market in terms of props right now but i would say the split's definitely getting up there and give it another year give it another year and and but underdog (laughs) itself is also a very unique case because it's the number one best ball you know supplier the number one best ball product out there and they have the best ball people doing props now too yeah to like be able to win props and fire off drafts yes but then you look at the other companies like drafters their pick'em is is like non-existent like they have i mean one, their pick'em is horrible it's horrible obviously love drafters love them as well but you got you got to be you got to be honest the pick'em is horrible it is um they haven't captured any of that market and they're suffering from the market that underdog has like clearly taken. And then DraftKings, best ball to DraftKings is an afterthought. They just do it because, you know, they're like, eh, it'll kind it'll fill yeah, up. Fun. So we'll just we'll just rake in that extra revenue off the rake. Why not? But like DraftKings isn't thinking twice about best ball. They've got DFS in their in their in, not even the DFS. It's sports. It's all sports betting. It's all it's, sports it's, betting. <laughs> for DraftKings, it's sports betting is up here. <laughs> DFS is down here. 
best ball is down here and everything else is below it. Yeah. It's sports betting number one yep. because that's obviously where they're making the most money. DFS, they just do it just because they kind of had to. And there's no other competing DFS platforms, no. especially with Fan- FanDuel's ass. Like, it's let's terrible be real. now. Anybody playing on FanDuel, I mean, God bless you. That shit is, <laughs> that shit is horrible. FanDuel Sportsbook, though, yeah. low-key better than DraftKings Sportsbook. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But... They're all fighting for their position in in the sports betting market, especially with it becoming legal in pretty much every state. Uh, Best ball is definitely an afterthought. So underdog, clear cut, the leader. But I I do have concerns that the contest may be too big, but I I would expect them to be able to fill it. I feel like they they do get a lot of new users um, to to play. And obviously they have a very loyal uh, fan base that are going to draft. They're good. They're going to. They're going to have so many people who draft 150 entries into every single one of their contests. Yep, so. yep, yep. I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that it fills. We'll see, though. We'll see. We have uh, several months of like I said, it was close. ahead of us. It was close to not filling. Obviously, there's going to be a ton of steam now, ton of steam after the schedule releases. People are excited. But once the excitement dies down, and it always does... Then you get into summer where people are out. They're not on their phones as much. You know, they're they're doing whatever. I'm I'm not on my phone as much during the summer. I, I think it'll slow down. It'll pick back up once training camp starts, and then we'll see where we're at then. Yeah, we'll we'll check in throughout the uh, the course of the off season, which we are yeah. really still at the at the beginning part of, honestly. But yeah, we're we're at the beginning. Let's uh. Let's talk about some of what we're seeing here in BBM4. So the contest has been out for a little over a week now. ADP is starting to at least hit its sort of like initial settling point. Everything will obviously change once, you know, we start getting OTAs and training camps. That'll be the next major shift. But this seems to be like where we're landing in terms of our first initial run of real best ball ADP. I don't really count pre-draft. Pre-draft ADP is a joke. You might as well just load up on every rookie because all of their ADPs are going to skyrocket, whether they're in a good spot, bad spot, doesn't matter. People are just scared to take them when they don't know where they're going. So hopefully if you were in those pre-draft best ball tournaments, you load it up because those prices are gone. And I mean, Joey, some of what we're seeing, I think is a little bit absurd with these rookie ADPs. I mean, (laughs) yeah, let's okay. Bijan Robinson. Let's start there. He's the he's clear cut highest drafted rookie. He's the RB two. Joey, the man has not taken a snap in the NFL. He's the RB two, going six point nine overall. Seems a little bit rich. No, I don't know. I don't know. Can you take him? Can you justify taking him ahead of JT Eckler and the rest? I don't know. Yeah, obviously it's a. Uh... It's really just the argument of, you know, are you going to take a proven asset over over an unproven asset, right? That's all it comes down to is the risk of taking somebody who hasn't played a snap and hasn't proven himself on the NFL level. He's clearly a generational running back prospect, you know, kind of reminds me of Saquon. Yep. Saquon was a first rounder coming into you know, his rookie year in fantasy football, and he paid off tremendously. At 107, which is his ADP right now, RB2, I think it's fine. I think his upside is obviously very high. The Falcons are committed to running the football, clearly, with Arthur Smith. Yes. They still have Tyler Algier there. So I guess, how much do you think he's going to factor into this backfield? How much work do you think he's going to get? Personally, if I had to project it right now, I don't think Algier is going to be much of a factor. I think he's going to get six to 10 touches per game, mm-hmm. which is a decent amount, but you're really relying on a Bijan Robinson injury at that point if you're drafting Tyler Algier or banking on him having any sustainable volume. They, they didn't draft uh, Bijan with a top 10 pick yeah. to, to not yeah. give him a. I mean, it is the, it is the Falcons, work. though. It is the Falcons, so That's you never true. know. True. <laughs> nah, but he, he's going to, he's going to get volume for sure. What I want to see is is like, and what I want to hear from training camp and OTAs in the offseason is that they're committed to using him in the passing game. Yes. The the point of taking Bijan Robinson with a top eight pick, which is obviously horrible process, is that he's not a running back; he's a playmaker. Mm-hmm. Right. You get him the ball in space any way that you can, whether that be handing the ball off to him, running him on routes, 
whatever screens etc that's the thesis and if you're buying into that thesis I think he is worth a a first round pick in fantasy and you just have to hope that they use him in the passing game because obviously that's where the the first round upside comes in is his ability to make plays out of the backfield as a pass catcher and you just have to hope that the Falcons and Arthur Smith use him in that fashion honestly that that's what what it comes down to if he gets no work in the passing game he's not paying off this ADP yeah I mean, that that's just 100% facts. We definitely don't know yet. I don't want to take a hard stand for or against him yet. I still want to find out the information. I'm fine, you know, being in line with the field with Bijan right now because he's so talented. I don't see really too much downside in him, like, not panning out as an NFL running back. It's just a matter of will the usage be enough to sustain an extremely high cost right off the rip. And, you know, like, the comparative cost of taking him over Cooper Cup, Steph Diggs, AJ Brown, Devontae Adams, CD, Garrett Wilson, Sun God, you know, like all of these assets that we have very, very little doubt in terms of their roles and their upside. So I don't know. It remains to be seen with Bijan. And, and something interesting you said is, you know, the thesis of taking him high is because not just that he's a running back, but he's a playmaker. So let's talk about RB2, Joey, in, in terms of fantasy here in the rookie class. That's my my new guy, Jameer Gibbs. Um, I, obviously, you know, we haven't recorded a pod in about two weeks and partly because I've been in an, a uh, crippling deep depression after the lions completely botched this draft in an embarrassing facet. What are we doing? Disgusting, disgusting usage of assets by the Detroit lions. Now as horrible of a pick as I think Jameer Gibbs was from like a real life perspective, they invested in him heavily. He is currently going as the RB 13 on underdog. His ADP is 37. So that puts him right at the top of the fourth round. How do you feel about him? From my understanding, like the way that they plan to utilize him will probably be in like a DeAndre Swift plus role. I think DeMont will sort of take over for Jamal Williams in that role in the offense. And Jameer Gibbs will just in theory be like what we wanted DeAndre Swift to be, where he'll be getting usage and he'll be getting utilized as a receiver because because that is the type of playmaker that he's supposed to be. You know, Alvin Kamara comps, etc. It should be a good offense. Jamison Williams obviously suspended, so target share should be wide open outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. Do you think that Jameer Gibbs can pay this off in a place in the draft that is really the beginning of the running back dead zone? Yeah, I think that drafting him that highly obviously means he's going to be an important part of the offense. And you mentioned Jamison Williams is suspended for the first six games. They're going to need players to produce in the passing game outside of Amon Ra. They lost DJ Chark. They traded TJ Hawkinson midseason last year. They drafted a tight end, Sam Laporta. So they're having a couple rookies come into this offense that could potentially have volume. And Jameer Gibbs is one of them. I'm just not too familiar on just like his profile as a running back. And obviously, you know, he probably is the DeAndre Swift replacement and David Montgomery is the Jamal Williams replacement. But at cost, I feel like I'd rather have DeMont at running back 27 in, you know, the, uh, eighth round uh I just think that the touchdown upside for Demont is going to be higher <laughs> like if, if we're just substituting each player for you know the one for one for one roles that they had last year I mean Jamal Williams was the, the better fantasy player just because of the touchdown upside and David Montgomery can factor into the passing game too we've seen it over the course of his career in Chicago he has upside of seven to eight catches per game so I'm not too sure what Gibbs's reception upside looks like year one I, I, I imagine it to be a little, I think it's high, dude. I, I do think it's high. I think that they wouldn't have used that draft capital on him if they didn't plan to utilize him in that way. Right. Yeah. And, and not only that, but like the former coaching staff, whatever it may have been, they had beef with DeAndre Swift. Okay. <laughs> that was not their guy. They didn't bring him in. They used a ton of capital to get Gibbs. I don't see it being like as dominant a role favoring David Montgomery as Jamal Williams yeah. had, you know, like they, they, invested so heavily in Gibbs they're going to use him more than Swift was used in the offense but I agree with you like just from a profile standpoint if you look at these two running backs which one of them profiles to be more Jamal Williams-esque which one of them profiles to be the goal line back it's David Montgomery and I think that at price he is he's probably the better asset of the two yeah uh obviously it it really depends on you know what you would project Gibbs's receptions for this year and like just overall his reception upside and as a third round pick the field is obviously projecting him to be a massive uh, producer in the passing game uh, year one. So 
I I I I don't really have a take on Jameer Gibbs. I think he's fine. They obviously used a very high draft pick, egregious, egregious, <laughs> egregiously high on Gibbs. They probably could have got him round two, early round two, or at so, least with their second first round pick. I mean, yeah. come on, what are we I doing? Mean, yeah. Ugh, yeah, disgusting. yeah, no, I so just based on draft capital, I think he deserves to be that high. And the plans, I think, are that the Lions are going to use him quite a bit. So it makes sense. But probably at cost, I, I would prefer David Montgomery just for the touch on upside. And, and like I said, I, I think that David Montgomery could still be a factor in the passing game. I don't think it's going to be all Gibbs for the Lions out of the backfield in, in terms of receptions. I think DeMont could still give you 30, 35 catches. Yep. I agree with that fully. Now, after Bijan, right, who who's the clear story here of this rookie class, the, the next rookie that really stood out to me in terms of the ADP being a little bit shocking to look at is Anthony Richardson going as a top 10 quarterback off rip QB 10 AR 15. Yeah. <laughs> 85.1 overall in terms of ADP going ahead of guys like Dak, Tua, Daniel Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Kyler Murray, etc. How do you feel about this spot for Anthony Richardson? Now, the reports initially are that he's going to play. It doesn't seem like there's any doubt in that. We know that the theoretical upside is high, but he was sort of billed to us, right? as like a project quarterback who may be better off sitting. The, the Colts seem dead set on letting him play, letting him start the season. So do you think that Anthony Richardson is worth a shot at a very high cost, but with an upside that seems like it could justify it? Yeah, so his current cost is pick 85 on underdog, quarterback 10. That is insane. It's rich. Very rich. For a rookie quarterback, but... You know, you look at his athletic profile. He was the most athletic quarterback ever. Essentially. At the, at the combine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's an absolute freak of nature. You know, Derek Henry-esque, complete alien robot, not human. Concerns with him as just a pure passer of the football, but the rushing floor is probably so high. So I understand why he's going in the 80s as quarterback 10, even as a rookie, and he's going to be a project, and the lows are going to be so low, for sure. Yes. But I think the highs are going to be pretty high with Richardson, especially if he could put it all together. He is the ceiling of a top five quarterback in, in fantasy football just with the rushing upside. And it does seem like the Colts are going to utilize him in that fashion. I think they understand that he's going to have some struggles as a passer, but the athleticism is off the charts and just his playmaking ability is there. And the Colts are going to be able to utilize that. Uh, that's kind of their draft process is just getting these athletic guys. So at quarterback 10, I mean, it's tough. It's because like, it, it, it's like, my my mind is telling me like fuck no, like what like what 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 are we doing? But when when you look at it from the perspective of like this dude could maybe rush for like a K yes. on the ground and like ten touchdowns, like that's more valuable than being a good passer or not. It's just uh, will the Colts be willing to start him all seventeen games is the question. I mean, I mean, it's not like they have too many. It's Gardner Minshew, right? So, like, it could obviously yeah. be a lot worse. I mean, than than Gardner. Don't Minshew. talk shit about Gardner Minshew. He has, he has a very uh, large fan base. Trust yes. me. I like I Gardner Minshew. I like Gardner Minshew. People thought that he should start over Jalen Hurts. Well, I yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's a whole different story. I mean, so it's a good situation, man. That's what it comes down to. They've got a good situation around him. I think, like. Maybe not the most elite weapons, but I'll take Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, Jonathan Taylor, obviously, decent O-line, and a player who can make plays on his own in Anthony Richardson. And if we're basically looking at this tournament, extremely top-heavy. That's one thing we didn't really mention in terms of the prize pool. We talked about it being a a $3 million to first. Oh, I mean, it's horrible. Yeah, people are justifiably upset with how top-heavy this tournament is. But to me, that's like why you take a player like Anthony Richardson, right? We're going for first or worst even more so than normal with the just the way that they've structured this prize pool so anthony richardson the upside is there the downside obviously extremely high at that price tag but i'm down to i'm down to chase the upside i'm (laughs) I'm in on anthony richardson i mean i don't know that i'm gonna take a crazy stand on him because 
you know, I like some of those quarterbacks that you can get at values late, but with the way that quarterbacks are getting drafted now, you know, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts all going as second round picks in every single draft, which is crazy. You know, you you have to reach on Lamar, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow inside rounds three and four to get them like the upside quarterbacks are gone quickly. So you're not going to find them too deeply, you know, in, in pick 70, 80, 90 and later. So AR 15 is one of those guys that theoretically has it. So I'm not mad at the ADP. Same thing with you. Like looking at it, it feels disgusting. My brain is screaming. Don't do it. But (laughs) I I get why you would. I really do. Yeah. I mean, and then just lastly, looking at the quarterbacks going behind him to just, you know, continue on with what you're saying. You have Dak, Tua, Daniel Jones, Kirk and Aaron Rodgers as the next five quarterbacks off the board. I mean, from an upside standpoint, I'll take Anthony Richardson. I'll I'll take the chance. Like yeah. you said, in a, in a top-heavy contest, I mean, just shout out. Like, who would have thought DraftKings would have a better prize structure than underdog? <laughs> That's saying a lot. But here we are. But I digress. How do you Comparing, feel about some of the other rookie quarterbacks? Bryce Young going as the QB 22, CJ Stroud QB 26. I mean, what do we think about those guys going in the same range as like Stafford, Jordan Love, Kenny Pickett, Garoppolo? I mean, how do you feel about, you know, those rookie quarterbacks and, and their situations and landing spots? Yeah, I think they could be wild cards for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the upsides, in my opinion, are probably low year one. The teams around Stroud and Young just aren't good enough, and they don't have the rushing upside that AR-15 does. So I think the price is correct on both Bryce Young going 153, CJ Stroud is going 176. I would probably have CJ Stroud a little bit higher. I'd have him above Kenny Pickett and Trey Lance, uh, two quarterbacks that are going before him currently. I mean, Trey Lance should be in the 200s, let's be real, barring a trade. As it stands right now, Trey Lance... QB 24 seems a little bit rich. It does. There's just there's just a good chance that he's probably not good. So I would have CJ Stroud a little bit higher. I think Bryce Young and Jordan Love are interesting. I, I would like say Jordan Love is kind of like a rookie, you know, like he's not a rookie, but this is going to be like his rookie year starting. Yes. And I'm kind of interested to see what he does. The Packers, they don't have great skill, talent. Uh, they have Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon and Christian Watson and Dobbs. And I think they drafted a wide receiver and they drafted a tight end as well. So they, they do have some young talent there. It's not great. It's not proven as it stands right now. But I'm interested to see what he does. And I, I think I'd be willing to take shots on Jordan Love and uh, C.J. Stroud and, and Bryce Young. Just because we know what we're getting with Derek Carr. We know what we're getting with Geno Smith and Kirk Cousins and... I don't even know why Kyler's getting drafted above these guys. Kyler's might not even play this year. Like, yeah. that that's actually stupid as fuck. But I, w- I would just take the chance on some of these rookie quarterbacks over some of these proven guys because, like, you don't know what you're going to get with uh, a Bryce Young or, or C.J. Stroud, but... Right. Like I'm not, I'm not drafting Jimmy G. I'm probably not drafting very much Derek Carr unless it's like with a Olave Juwan Johnson type of like, it makes sense for the team. To me, I would rather skip over Bryce Young and CJ Stroud and take 30 picks later on guys like Brock Purdy, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, Mac Jones, who's going at pick 207. I mean, I'm interested to hear how you think about that, but like, What's the difference, truly? Like, I get it. I guess draft capital and talent with Bryce Young and CJ Stroud, but Desmond Ritter's in a better offense. Sam Howell is definitely in a better offense in Washington, like who's quietly loaded from a skill talent position. And you can get them as like the QB 30 Brock Purdy on one of the best offenses in the league. And I fully expect him to start to your point about Trey Lance should probably not be getting drafted in the top 200. Like give me Brock Purdy at the back end of the 16th round, 10 out of 10 times over, you know, Bryce Young and and CJ Stroud at their current prices. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Uh, Brock Purdy. I I think he is a starter. Like why is the Why is the backup and potentially the third string quarterback? Okay. Yes. Yes. Make it make sense. Why is he getting drafted? Oh, why is he getting drafted in the top twenty-five quarterbacks? That's just a, that's like just a, a, unless you're a projecting trade. Guy. People love him. People just love Trey yeah. Lance, especially like the people who are hammering underdogs tourneys as soon as they open. You know the the hardcore yeah. best ball bros. Trey Lance is their guy. They're not ready yeah. to give it up yet, but it's time. Sometimes it's just profitable to be the one to move on first. Cut ties. It's time. 
Get yeah. them out of here. And, and then, you know, on the opposite side, sometimes or a lot of the time it's profitable to be in on, you know, players the, the field isn't high on. So I do think being high on some of these back-end quarterback threes could definitely pay off. Like, we don't know how well Ritter and Howell are going to perform, like, with full seasons under their belt. Good offenses, like you said. I mean, Washington does have quite a bit of talent. Atlanta has a ton of talent, but it's Atlanta. I think I would trust Washington a little bit more. Um, And then even Mac Jones, like obviously Mac Jones isn't a great quarterback. He's a bottom eight quarterback in the AFC. But by all accounts, the Patriots just aren't going to be as bad as they were last year on offense. And he is the quarterback one. He is the starting guy. Like why is Trey Lance getting drafted ahead of Mac Jones? That makes no sense to me. Um, You're going to get a full season out of Mac Jones. Yeah. Barring injury, of course. You're going to get 17 games with a coordinator that has proven success in Bill O'Brien and not a crazy upgraded offense, but an upgraded offense. And they did focus on building the offensive line. So I think that will be a little bit better this year as well. And division is tough, but they are going to be competing against a lot of high powered offenses. So if you're just looking forward, the Patriots are going to have to score points to win games. Mac Jones, 30th quarterback off the board, 31st quarterback off the board in 200s. Doesn't make too much sense. So I do like that kind of a tier of Brock Purdy to Mac Jones there uh, from QB 28 to QB 31. I think they should be a little bit higher. And honestly, like I'd put them above Jimmy G, Kenny Pickett, et cetera. Maybe I'm too low on Pickett, but. Yeah, I mean, I'm not especially high on him either. I mean, I'm still sorting it out right now, like my actual, you know, player takes, but I'm just looking at pricing and I just don't think that there's anything that really should be separating guys like Jimmy G, even Stafford at this point with the way the Rams are looking, you know, pick it from these guys. So from a price perspective, it just makes sense to me. Speaking of a price perspective, how about some of these rookie wide receivers on my first few run of drafts, Joey? I mean, I don't like any of these prices for any of the rookies. Like the only one that I think is like really stomachable is Jordan Addison because it seems like Minnesota may lean very pass heavy, but Jackson Smith and Jigba at an ADP of 58 wide receiver 29. That is way, way, way too rich for my blood. Zay Flowers going ahead of OBJ and Rashad Bateman. I don't know how I feel about that. Quentin Johnson, wide receiver 43 going in the top 90 picks. Like, I don't know, man. I I just, this wasn't a super talent rich class to begin with. The spots don't blow you away. Like in terms of landing spots, nothing seems like a stone cold slam dunk. Maybe I'm just too low on this class in general, but like, what are your thoughts with these initial ADPs for the rookie wide receivers? As it stands, I don't, I don't think I will be extremely overweight any of these guys right now. Yeah. I mean, JSN going in the, in the fifties, I think is a little egregious. Obviously a talented wide receiver upside is there, but competition for targets is also there with DK and Tyler Lockett. I think year one, he's not going to produce that much barring injuries. Then they still have Kenneth Walker. They drafted another second round running back, which we didn't even talk about. Uh, We'll we'll get more into like the players and specific situations on a different podcast, but they're obviously committed to running the football as well. And I just don't think there's going to be a lot of opportunity for all of these people. So if you're betting on JSN, I mean, then you're like just full fading Tyler Lockett or yeah. DK Metcalf. And I mean, look, um, we, we've we obviously not been like the biggest Lockett guys to say the least. He's going after JSN. Yeah, he's going 10 picks later. I'd rather have Lockett at that cost. I mean, he's going ahead of both Bucks receivers. JSN is logistically going to be the wide receiver three in Seattle, and he's going ahead of Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. Make that make sense to me. Please. Yeah, and I mean, and, and, and I could see it like if like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen was a quarterback, but they have Geno Smith and don't get me wrong, Geno Smith proved he proved everybody wrong last yes. year and he's he has shown that like he's capable of producing like fantasy studs. Sure. Um last, last season and yep. I do think that they're comfortable letting him, you know, go out there and throw the ball, but he's not supporting three, you know, top 60 wide receivers, top Absolutely 65 not. wide rece- wide receivers. So I would fade JSN. I probably won't be too high on DK Metcalf either, but in the, in the 50s, yeah, JSN, easy fade. And regardless of who's throwing Mike Evans and Chris Godwin the ball, like I will still take them over JSN. Uh, yeah, that's you know, what I'm saying. It's, I don't it's care it's if Baker it's Mayfield. Trask, I don't care if it's Mayfield. Like, give it to me. Quarterbacks get propped up by their surrounding system. 
Yes. So even though Baker Mayfield, who I think is probably the starting quarterback today if they had a game, he's not good, but he'll get propped up with the talent on the outside that they have in, in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So I would take both of them above JSN. He's a fade. Jordan Addison, I think, is the only one that I'm actually comfortable with. He's in the 70s, which is a little rich, but by all accounts, it seems like the Vikings are just going to go super pass heavy this year. Oh. Delvin Cook is a trade candidate, a post-June 1st trade candidate. That's the date to watch is June 1st, um, so about a month from now. And I think there's a good chance that he won't be on the team come September. And if that's the case, I think they're just going to feel comfortable letting Kirk Cousins drop back 35, 40, 45 times a game. And they have the playmakers with J.J. Addison, K.J. Osborne, T.J. Hawkinson to get the job done through the air. Um, and they also play like in a, in a not great division. Uh, it, it did get better. but Especially defensively, though. Yeah, especially defensively. So Addison is the one that I'm pretty okay with. Zay Flowers, pick 92, easy fade. Quentin Johnson, pick 87 and a half, wide receiver 43. They're going back to back. I, I He's okay just because like Keenan Allen is older. Mike Williams is injury prone. Uh, well, I, I don't want to say injury prone. I don't really believe in that, but Mike Williams gets injured a ton. He's not injury prone, but he definitely can't stay healthy. <laughs> and and he and he has an elite passer yes. uh, that he's attached to, and and I think that he could come in and be the wide receiver three over Josh Palmer. Yeah, I think that hurts Josh Palmer more than anything. Is Quentin Johnson? I guess I'm okay with him, but I probably would be out on Johnston at this price. And like I said, Zay Flowers, I'm in fade. Yeah. I was I was looking at Prize Picks actually, just like the season long props, and um, you know, because I was debating if I should just like nuke some early shit before yeah. the lines start moving and i had zay flowers under 625 and a half receiving yards i love that that's a stone lock stone lock i'm gonna jump in on that with you and then i guess just quickly like the next tier of rookie wide receivers i'm personally not really going to be touching any of them i don't think i mean mingo going at 132 don't love it. You know, back to back with his new teammate and Adam Thielen. Jalen Hyatt is one of like 45 slot receivers the Giants have. I'm Gucci on that too. Rasheed Rice, maybe. <laughs> he's an interesting one. He's, he's interesting, interesting because one. he's obviously attached to Patrick Mahomes. He has good draft capital. But we also do this every year. Every single year. <laughs> every single year. And I'm and I'm usually the voice of reason. You I'm are. the like I'm the one who's like, you gotta see it for what it's worth. Like, there's only two valuable positions on the chiefs every year it's kelsey and and one wide receiver yeah so so who's it gonna be is it gonna be is it gonna be rasheed rice i mean i'm down for it not being mvs i'm good on that maybe it's sky Moore. maybe it's Kadarius tony maybe it's i mean i guess that's it right like rasheed rice has a chance at least he has a chance his price is actually pretty affordable compared to some of these other guys so for me right now i'm gonna be just looking at rice i'm gonna be looking at quentin because he's attached to herbert and addison i think is okay for all the reasons that you said and the rest of them i i really don't have any strong interest in yeah the market and the consensus is clearly Kadarius tony is the wide receiver one you know far and away he's going in the 70s the next closest chiefs wide receiver is, is what sky Moore, yeah. pick 126 mm-hmm. rasheed rice 136 so the market has already established that Kadarius tony is the clear-cut chiefs wide receiver one and i do think that they are high on him they would feel comfortable having him as you know the the option and at his at that current price uh you know late 70s early 80s i think that's fine for tony Injury concerns there as well, but he's shown, especially when he was on the Chiefs for however many games that, when he's running routes, still target him at a twenty five percent rate, thirty yeah. percent rate. It's just that he he was just like used so sparingly. It's like it wouldn't shock me if he wasn't a full time player again. Like if they have him in yeah. some sort of gadget role, which at that price doesn't make very much sense compared to the other Chiefs receivers. Yeah. But then again, he was more valuable than MVS, who was an every snap player. So you really don't know what the Chiefs. I don't know if I'm like fully on board with committing to the market being right on this order of these guys going. But Kadarius Tony seems, at least from what we know right now, to be the most talented and dynamic playmaker of the group. Yeah, I mean the order right now is you know pretty close to how they were drafted. Mm-hmm. Right. I think it, I think it's in order of how they were drafted. But yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see like what cheap rookie wide receivers 
start to move up the board and even rookie running backs. I know we didn't touch on some like Devin O'Shane, who is on Miami and he has a ton of opportunity at the running back position. And then, you know, you have your guys like Marvin Mims, who's on Denver. Um, you, you know, Josh Downs, who's on Indy. Uh, you have the Packers wide receiver that they drafted. I don't know his name, but I know they drafted one. Uh, um, Reed. Jaden Reed. Tank Dell, he's on Houston. He stayed in Texas. And then, shit, you, like, you even got the Patriots guy who was supposedly a first-round talent but just has a ton of concerns. Um, he's actually going higher than some other rookie wide receivers that were that were drafted above him. So it's going to be interesting to see how the market adjusts to these rookies. And I just think that they will continue to climb. And we didn't do too much pre-draft best ball content. Yeah, like you said, rookies, like just draft every rookie. And yeah, it's, you, it's, you get, it's been you get a flawless, uh, flawless strategy every single year. And this year was no different. Um, but yeah, I want to give you a minute here to get your uh, Dalton Kincaid hate out. I know, I know it's boiling deep inside you, bro. I mean, it's just like, what are we expecting this dude to be as the tight end 11 in his rookie year? They, they, you're expecting him to be a full-time slot receiver apparently, but he's not going to be. That's the thing. He's probably not. It doesn't make that much sense to me. I don't love it. Like he's obviously a good weapon and could be attached to Josh. He's attached to Josh, but rookie tight ends just don't work. They don't pan out. Like, I'm sorry if Kyle Pitts didn't work year one. (laughs) I guess he did, technically. He had 1,000 yards, right? He was like one of two tight ends to go over 1,000 yards as a rookie. But rookie tight ends just do not work out. Like, what's the projection with Kincaid that he deserves to be a top 11 tight end? And he'll probably rise even further. Like, he'll, at a certain point, like, I mean, Fryermuth and Najoku are going above him right now. But they're within 15 picks. I mean, wait, that, wait that's till we get flip. the wait till we get the first video of Josh Allen in shorts and Kincaid is running a slot route. I mean, he's going up two rounds. Yeah, yeah. So I just don't think the upside is there at his current price of tight end 11, and it's only going to get richer as the summer goes on. Rookie tight ends just historically struggle. There's going to be a ton of competition for targets. Right. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe like, yeah, you can make the upside case like he's not going to be used as a tight end. He's going to be used as a big slot or whatever. But I how many times don't we think that, that role is going to be productive either way. I swear to God, did we hear that every year? And it's just it's never the case. It's never the case. I'm still waiting for Gesicki to have that role. Maybe he does with the Patriots. And then and then, you know, you bring in the whole uh, the whole fact of. Or not fact, but whole opinion of maybe they want to start running the ball more. You know, they uh-huh. they they drafted James Cook with the second round pick last year. They bring in Damian Harris in free agency this year. They signed Latavius. They, they signed Latavius Murray, right? So they're obviously making a concerted effort to address their backfield in their their rushing game, and I and I feel like they they feel like they need to have a more dominant ground game. Like even the Chiefs started to go to that. A little bit later in mm-hmm. the year, and it, and it worked out for them. I mean, in the playoffs, obviously, kind of Mahomes' injury forced them to. But I think they, I think the Bills understand that, and I just don't think the role is going to be as great as people are hoping for. I would see a good season stat line for Kincaid of like. 35 40 catches 500 yards and like four touchdowns so clip and at this. that point you would rather have dalton schultz and cole Komet going right behind him you'd rather have juan johnson going 30 picks later you'd rather have irv smith attached to joe burrow 50 picks later like it just oh, it's, i mean juan johnson is like such an easy buy over kincaid yes. at price like what are we doing here juan johnson is the only tight end there now they traded adam troutman i don't know if you even saw that mm-hmm. they traded him mm-hmm. during the draft Yep. And then you get Derek Carr, somebody who has over the last few years supported a high end tight end. And Jawan Johnson did start to come out and he does have the athletic profile that you want in a tight end. And, and there is opportunity in that offense for sure, especially with the uncertainty about Michael Thomas. And then there's really nobody behind Chris Olave. So Jawan Johnson, I think, is my you know, favorite tight end. I love him. Bye. I love him at cost, dude. 148 at, tight end 16. 
Yeah, at smash. current cost, I think he is a complete smash. And I mean, if you if you're taking Kincaid over Juwan Johnson, I think you're just doing it wrong, to be honest. Yeah. And then I mean, the other rookie tight ends, I don't. I mean, they're a lot cheaper. It's easier to stomach. Michael Mayer, though, for the Raiders going at 169 as the tight end 21. You got my new boy Laporta in Detroit at 23, one, uh, 174 overall in ADP. Like, I don't know, man. I don't really have a strong take on any of these guys. It's just like, I don't really want to pay that price for those guys. When Gesicki is 15 picks later, I'd rather take Gesicki. You know, Trey McBride is going in the 200s. You know, you can get guys like likely Jelani Woods for free. Like, I think I would just rather wait and sort of dodge that whole, you know, tight end 20 to 25 range. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, tight end is obviously a crapshoot. Always. And you just want like the lowest drafted, highest upside guy possible, especially if you're waiting on tight end and you're drafting like three or four. I'd be comfortable just uh, waiting to that tier of, you know, tight end 25, tight end 30 as it stands right now and just go after the guys like... Isaiah likely Jelani Woods and and some of the and some of the rookies Luke Musgrave Hunter Henry yep. etc. Um, yeah. All right. I feel like that's a pretty good initial look here at some of the rookie ADPs in best ball mania. For obviously there is still a ton to dissect in terms of best ball. And I think that we're going to have our rankings ready to go soon for people who are in these early best ball streets. Joey and I have come together and we're putting together a. Uh, a unit of rankings between the two of us. The first time we've ever done this in the past, I've done rankings. Joey's critiqued them this year. We're just going all in together, coming up with the definitive BBM four rankings for the people. So the make sure you join our discord. Possible. Make sure you join our discord link is in the show notes to this podcast. Any videos that you're seeing of this, you can find the link to our discord. We'll post the rankings there first and foremost for the people joey anything else we got to touch on here no i think that's it uh we'll be back with more best ball content just taking an overall look at you know some of the players that we like some of the players that were fading we wanted to just touch on the rookies uh because the draft happened a few weeks ago and we haven't recorded since then but yeah it should be should be a fun nfl season and i'm i'm excited i but we still got a lot of months man we still yes, got a lot do. of months and it's gonna, it's gonna feel like forever, but once once it's here, it'll it'll be an exciting time, and and I, and I'm ready. I can't wait. And <laughs> that is gonna be it for this off season update. If you guys are interested in connecting with us on a deeper level, you can follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey's at Joey Carrion DFS. You guys want to join the inner circle? Like I said, free Discord. You can find that in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.